Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week's This Life with Dr. Bob Forrest is courtesy of Bergamet Sport, an all-natural athletic performance-enhancing and muscle recovery supplement with the usual multiple cardiovascular benefits associated with the polyphenols in the Bergamet products. Hey, this is Dr. Drew, and you are listening to This Life with Bob Forrest and Dr. Drew. Here we are. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, gather around your iPhone because it's another episode of This Life with Dr. Drew and Bob Forrest and our special guest, our favorite counselor in America, Shelly Spike. Which is true. Hi, That's well, how you were first introduced wow, to me. Wow, that's, that's fantastic. A, yeah, he was like, but I was like, I, I feel good about myself. He goes, today. I got this. I got this woman. I've got this gal. I, she <laughs> is really good. She wanted supervision because she was going to be a child psychologist. Oh yeah. boy, you got off that train. <laughs> how, depre- how depressing wow. is that occupation? Oh my. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah, you think addicts are bad. But, yeah. And but you're ending up with a bunch of uh, sort of adolescent young adults <laughs> anyway, right? Oh. Just tell us tell please. us where you work. You work at Bel Air Recovery now. It's an yeah, outpatient Bel-Air program. Treatment, IOP, intensive outpatients. Eighty two clients. Eighty two clients. Phenomenal. <laughs> That's Five crazy. days a week, three days a week, two days a week. They all don't show up at the same time, thank goodness. Right. Well, I showed up there one time and there was a cooking class. And I yeah, was like, that's how co- primal 22-year-old yes. people are. They need yeah. to have a cooking class. Well, you know, we were, they need Bob to learn how to boil water. <laughs> Bob and I were talking to Stephen Adler, uh, one of the last oh, episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's doing phenomenally well. Really? And he was making the point that, you know, you should be like a baby learning how to walk. Just the very basics. And you, sh- you know, your brain's got to wake up. You shouldn't be. He was talking about how difficult it was to read a- the big book because it, so- it was a gigantic challenge for him and the condition he was in. Oh, yeah. It's and- a gigantic <laughs> challenge, period. <laughs> but, but it, you know, like- so cooking and writing checks and getting through, you know, bus schedules, things like that. Yeah, we call that life skills. Life skills. Yes, right. we call it and life we, skills. And we leave that out very often. Yes. You guys are big on that. No, we do. We do life skills because our, you know, we have twenty-one year olds, most average age twenty-one. Average you know? age twenty-one, Drew. Don't you want back in the business? Come on, Drew. Maybe not. Maybe not <laughs> Shelley's place. The, and, and the, that's the, where they. That's what it is no, across what, the board. What we need, what we need you to do, Drew. Yeah. Is we need to come in. You need to talk to some MFTs and some oh, clinical no, social please workers. Please don't even. I'm trying to deal with my profession. No. Are you kidding me? Oh. It's the same thing. It's very hard. Yes. It's very hard. It tries my patience. The, well, the, you... And fundamentally, Shelley, mm-hmm. I've distilled the fundamental, and I'm going to bring in our other guest, Bullet, in just a okay. second here, because he'll he'll love to hear this part of the story, or this, this point I'm going to make. When I really get down to it, the fundamental mistake that every clinician I know makes is they believe the goddamn patient. I know. That's the fundamental mistake. It's they nice. listen to them and believe them. And, and it's one thing to listen and, and attune to them, but to believe what they're saying and to have expectation that what they're saying they're going to follow through on, even when they intend it, you've got to be effing kidding me. Bullet, am I right on this? Believe them? <laughs> <laughs> and not, not in this lifetime, no, but absolutely listen to them. Oh, yeah, but listen deeply. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Bullet is bullet has, a, bullet, has I mean. a one, bullet has a one man show. Uh, what's the date on that show, Bullet? Next show is Saturday, March eighteenth at four p.m. He, at the Flight Theater in Hollywood. It is you will. What kind of show? Uh, you, I'm going to have him tell it in okay. a second. But you particularly, I got to go. I was there last weekend or a couple weekends ago. It was, I mean, so thrilling to see. But Bullet essentially tells his story. And Bullet, give give us like a three minute. Uh, little summary of your life that, that they can get in great detail in this one-man show. 
Okay, well, uh, born and raised in, in New York City, parents uh, split, divorced, broke up. My father brought me out to Hollywood, California, with a promise of a uh, of an exciting, uh, prosperous life. Wound up uh, going to Lacanne Junior High School, which oh, was the gang infested. This, uh, this is, by the way, these are uh, Shelley's people. These are Shelley's people. <laughs> she, 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 that gang you hang with, at Le, Lacanne. That was that was Shelley's peeps or still is oh okay yeah. so you know you know about the clantones and and, and all of them <laughs> the 14 at, at, at lacan but anyway so i i was getting picked on i i, I stood up to this guy named borrego borrego who was Cyclops. who had one eye in the middle of his head i had this big fight with him at the handball court and i held my own and th- those guys got to be my friends Pops wasn't too thrilled about it, make a long story short. Went through a lot of different things until I landed playing basketball at, at, at a small school here in Los Angeles. Became a well-known star, leading scorer in the state, a lot of college scholarships. But, but down the street from my school in West Los Angeles, there was another park with another gang called the Playboy Gangsters. That's where I got introduced to, to smoking weed, drinking and and to make a long story short, the, the the one man show chronicles my journey from from New York City, the breakup to becoming addicted to rock cocaine, to losing my college scholarships, to you know mental institutions, to like they say jails institutions, living in a gas station bathroom uh, where you know that's ironically where I found God and uh, wandered upon a 12-step meeting and then my journey into recovery and finding my own niche in recovery as an extreme interventionist slash the extractor. Gonna, and it just, gonna... I chronicle my, my, my journey by acting out all the different characters in my life and there's music and there's poetry and, you know, visuals. And um, I, it's just my way of, of trying to connect with with people in recovery and also raising awareness for our nonprofit organization, which I've been involved with for 23 and that, years, and that which is, is called TAPS. TAPS. Uh, and, yeah, and, TAPS, uh, TAPS14.org, um, which basically is the only nonprofit organization in the world that goes out into the streets and extracts uh, kids in jeopardy from life, you know. He goes into, he goes situation. into, Bob Shelley, he goes into like, Full on, like the gang, like like MS thirteen type situations, yeah. and uh, risks his life and his team's life. And we're going to put this on TV. I'm, wow. I'm going to have them, mm-hmm. and their lives are fascinating too. The the four of them, wow, uh, that are the main extractors, and wow. uh, and they're all recovering guys. And they're all deep in the game. And that in Venice, great. Is it, you centered it's in Culver, Venice, Culver City, Culver City. Yeah. You're from Culver City, yeah. but but the. The bathroom you're describing was in Venice? I'm Hollywood. <laughs> oh, the bathroom was actually in, in Hollywood on oh, Sunset really? Los Palmas. It was a That's very a beautiful Sunset shell station. No, it actually <laughs> wasn't. But it, it was a mm-hmm. shell station. And uh, that's I, I commandeered it back in uh, the fall of uh, 1987. And I don't know if it was because <laughs> the guy actually felt sorry for me or he was scared of me or a combination of both. But I actually think the, the guy that ran it cared about me because occasionally Occasionally, he would slip under the door of Three Musketeers bar or Snickers Aww. bar like I was a rat in, in, in a cage. And it pissed him off because it wasn't cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Exactly. Bob, <laughs> Bob, do you know this bathroom? I know, the, I know that area very well. I lived in the International Motel across the street there. Right, right. That was my spot. Oh, lovely. Did yeah. you, maybe pull up on drugs from you. Did you know, did you know Pops that used to live in that weird uh, like uh, cul-de-sac apartment building that's now behind the Rite Aid? Right there at Sunset in Las Palmas? There was a drug dealer named... He's thinking. Who? His name was Pops. Old black guy named Pops. Ah, man. Nah, I mean, off off the top of my head. I knew knew a guy named Pirate who didn't have a ship... (laughs) Sure. Um, I, I knew I knew a guy named Folks. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of them. I knew a guy named as, Disco. As a friend of mine, as I read an article, a, 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 a recovered gang guy that was working with gang, he said he, was, he said I've met all the seven dwarfs. <laughs> Every single one of them. Did you? Uh, were you Did you know Chewy? Chewy is a, a big one. Do you, the Bart Clinic on Cohanga and Hollywood Boulevard. That was my spot. Six a.m. 
But remember, oh, okay. Bullet okay. was bullet yeah. was, was meth and or speed no. uh, cocaine. I'm sorry, and uh, I like alcohol. speed. But listen, <laughs> but he was. We did a plenty of crack. <laughs> no, but he was way in and was paranoid and was not really getting out of the bathroom very much. I lived yeah. at Hollywood exactly. in Las Palmas, yeah, above the pizza parlor, yeah. same era. Pink so dot. Right. It was a little and, and, early for me. What happened was uh, on on a particular night. It was October 26, nineteen eighty seven. After veiled suicide uh, attempts and, and and wanting to die, I wandered into traffic trying to get hit by a car unsuccessfully. Yeah, that won't And work. I remember that there was a, a church up on the corner of of uh, Hollywood and, and Gardner. Oh, Gardner. Oh, yeah. oh that uh-huh. one. Yeah. I've, I've actually spoken at that church before. Yeah. Yeah. This is where you got this refound. Yeah, and I and I and I thought if I'm going to get close to God. Um, and ask him to, to help me because he's not letting me die. I'm going to go there, and lo and behold, on the night of October 26, 1987, there was a Narcotics Anonymous meeting going on at that church, and some guy named John Finger, obviously I never forgot a name like that, put out his hand and said, why don't you come on in, brother? And I did, and that was the last time I ever got high because just, you know, the, the, the magnitude of, of having the opportunity to be led to that church and it being a, an N.A. meeting after all that I had been through and put others through, it was just too powerful for me to ever turn back. And, you know, I'm coming up on 30 years clean. Oh, my God, that's so crazy. It's fantastic. That is fantastic. That is it. Well, Bullet, I, I just wanted to give you a chance to promote your show and tell your story. It's fantastic. And you know what I think of you and you, what you guys are doing there at TAPS. And uh, maybe people, if they're interested, check out the website or contribute to what these guys are doing. And uh, stay tuned. Bullet Bullet, and his team, I'm, I'm, I, awesome. I feel confident, are going to be on TV one of these days. So, uh, oh, cool. All right, Bullet, thanks thank for joining you. us. All right, thank you very all right, much. Thank nice you. to meet you guys. Right, you guys, we'll talk we'll soon. Be well. Thank you. All right, we're going to take a little okay. break. We're going to take a little break. Be right back. You know, I'm always happy to talk to you about our friends at Bergamot. They're the makers of a variety of supplements that use the extract from the Bergamot citrus fruit, those polyphenols. That fruit is in Italy. These supplements act as a natural statin that may improve a number of cardiovascular conditions as well as symptoms of the metabolic syndrome, which includes high blood pressure, high cholesterol, high blood sugar. As you know, I've been excited about the natural treatment since I first heard about it. I'm getting behind it. The science behind it is sound, and physicians throughout the world and cardiologists are actually using it. Now, the makers that brought to you the formulation Bergamet NA, Bergamet Pro Plus, now bringing you Bergamet Sport. It provides all the same cardiovascular benefits, but has additional additives designed to aid athletes and those with a very, very active lifestyle. Bergamet Sport may help improve stamina and reduce recovery time and reduce muscle inflammation. Now, I've been taking Bergamet myself, and I suggest you talk to your physician to see if Bergamet Sport is right for you. And for a limited time, our listeners can save 10% on their order by entering the code Dr. Drew, D-R-D-R-E-W, at checkout. Again, that is D-R-D-R-E-W, all one word, at checkout, and you save 10% on your order of Bergamet. To order the Bergamet Sport for yourself, visit Bergamet.com, Bergamet, N-A, Bergamet, B-E-R-G-A-M-E-T.com, or click on the Bergamet banner on drdrew.com. Now, a couple of months ago, I was in my medical office, and I noticed some samples of a rehydration solution called Hydrolyte. Just so happens I was about to undergo a colonoscopy, a routine medical procedure, and I was going to get dehydrated if I didn't be careful. And I thought, well, this stuff will be perfect. It's exactly what I need. I was absolutely impressed. The results were precisely what I was looking for. And not only did that rehydration solution get me through the procedure without becoming dehydrated, they have another product, these fizzy tablets that give you the same rehydration solution just in a little portable tablet. You just obviously add it to water. And that was something I always wanted to invent. I did not understand why we did not have an oral solution that you could hold in your pocket in the form of a tablet that would help us, say you had some vomiting or some other GI distress. It seemed perfectly sensible to me that you could put a little fizzy tablet in and have the rehydrating solution right there in your hand. And they created this. That's why I'm excited about Hydrolyte, and we're welcoming them to the family. It's rapid, effective recovery from dehydration. requires a proper balance of sodium, glucose, and water. So if you're sick, you've been vomiting or maybe heavy perspiration, even from exercise, water does not cut it. You need what's called fluid. Sports drinks are far less effective and are not balanced for the rehydration for maintaining your body volume. Simply, Hydrolyte's formulation is based on established science. It is the best rehydration product I've seen or tried. 
They dominate in other countries, and they're no doubt going to dominate here. You won't need IVs. If you're tolerating orals, you can use Hydrolyte. comes in flavors, orange berry lemonade, available, as I said, in that pre-mixed drink or a powder or the effervescence tablets that I was mentioning before. Simply drop it into a glass or a bottle of water, and boom. Compared to sports drinks, Hydrolyte delivers up to four times the electrolytes with 75% less sugar. That's what you need. You need volume quickly. Hydrolyte solutions are appropriate for all ages, and each bottle or package includes easy-to-follow dosing instructions. You can find Hydrolyte at Rite Aid or online at Amazon. And for more information, visit Hydrolyte.com. That is H-Y-D-R-A-L-Y-T-E, Hydrolyte.com. We're back, and we want to thank our friends at Bergamot for being a supportive sponsor. And do check for out- sure. And also Hydrolite, the new guys. I again, I sought these guys out because I thought the product was. I, I intended to invent their product, and they got in there, and it's exactly what I had envisioned. What did you it, do? It really email works. them, and they emailed no, you they back. No, the samples were in my my medical office. There were samples oh, there, okay. and I started using it because I was having a colonoscopy right about that time, and it was like this just prevented me from getting dehydrated. It was perfect. Awesome. Um, hmm. But that, but what I'm jealous of is they invented these little fizzy tablets you put in a glass of water, and it's you know you get the then you get the hydrolyte solution just in a tablet. And I always thought that and it tastes good. It's fizzy. Oh, you wish you invented it. I intended to invent it. I knew it'd be a great product. You understand? I conceived of this. It was too all- busy saving people's lives. Wow. Sorry. Uh, all right, and also. Um, Go to doctor.com to check out the family of podcasts there. We appreciate that. So, uh, Bob, you were telling a story during the break about uh, how you broke your back, which I didn't know. Yeah, no. I, yeah, you did. Well, no, how, why know, do you think you, I'm in pain no, all the I time? I know you have back issues. I didn't know you broke your back. <laughs> so, it, it started at Los Encinas 10, 15 years ago now, 14 years ago now. But he and I ache. And then we listen to, you know, you yeah, too, a, a couple uh-huh. years later. Sure. Yeah. And these people are telling us how much they ache. And Drew said to me one day, they're not even in as much pain as I am. <laughs> <laughs> not even close. Yeah. And that's when yeah. we had this bond yeah. over pain. That we live with pain. We're tough. Our dads were tough. <laughs> you know what I mean? But what did you yeah, do you to break your So I, I was playing a concert there right on Santa Monica Boulevard. There used to be a club there called the Lassa, Lassa Club. Club. Yeah. And I... And I looked out from the curtain behind, and I saw, because the dressing room was behind the stage, and I saw there was quite a few people there. Thelonious Monster was getting popular, and I thought, because they used to always start playing without me, and then I'd come out. So I thought, I'm going to come out, I'm going to do a somersault, jump, and land on the people, because there was quite more people than I thought like would be there. Like a somersault off the stage? Yeah, yeah, jump off the stage and land flip, on them. flip, off uh, the yeah, stage. flip forward. A somersault means you're on the ground. A flip <laughs> means you jump off the ground. Yeah, I was going to jump on the monitor, which I did. Yeah. I wasn't too drunk. I timed Hit it. You jump the on the monitor, gives Up, you some lift. Over. You spin over and land on them, and it's just like in a rock video. Yes. Except for they just spread out, and I landed yeah, right on my back. They saw this maniac flipping on him at full speed. Guy coming, I'm out of the way. Yeah. You know, I was, not a, I was not a true punk rocker, neither was Shelly, if she tells you. Uh, the only other time I staged dove was at a benefit concert at the Avalon Theater, what it's what called what Avalon now, but yeah. it used to called The Palace. So it was me, me, John Cusack, and Fleer standing on the side of the Oops, stage. Oops, she dropped something. Uh, huh? A name. And, 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 no, I'm names. telling you, it's true. Yeah. That's who I didn't used say it wasn't to, true. Used, and Jane's Addiction was playing. Yeah. And so we, there's three monitors out in front of them. So we all said, okay, pick a monitor. And I picked the front one, the middle one, Flea on the left, John on the right. And we ran, used the monitors to jump out and stage crowd dive, right? I'm in the air. Now, I'm not doing a somersault. I'm just got feet down, super, super coming man. down. <laughs> and everyone's putting their hands up, yeah. you know. But one guy's not. And the guy land on both feet on his shoulders, and I could hear his head hit the ground oh. of the thing. He was blind. Oh, my God. You bl- hit a blind. <laughs> you landed so the two on times a, I've ever staged it, I broke my back, and I he, landed he, on, on a, a blind, blind guy. Did, didn't Jim Morrison sort of invent that phenomenon? And he sort of <laughs> fell into the audience. Yeah, he was kind he, of Okay, fall. listen, yeah. listen. You cannot do that 
ever again. I've never have since okay. that blind don't, thing. Don't you worry. Blind thing, the blind thing was more traumatizing than the breaking my yeah, back. Yeah. Don't, don't you worry about him doing that. <laughs> You're <laughs> not doing happen. that. Now that I've had again. stem cells, I feel like stage diving. Well, I'm really so. light, so I could jump off the stage and, and land on two people. Two people could hold on. And just roll off their shoulders. Yeah, even a blind guy could do a show. But you coming down. But talk to us about I know what he wants to get to the 82 clients. How do you deal with it? No, not just that. That's part of what I want to get to. I want to get to what you've learned about young adults through dealing with so many of them. Okay. And then okay. today, the millennials, so-called. Okay, so so I'm super, um, I'm super in over my head. Okay, um, I'm some kind of, I'm director, program director, <laughs> of course directing, you are. directing, directing, and facilitating yep. all kinds and of I, supervision. Because it's and, you, I would uh, strongly yes, urge people to go there. I would. Louise is doing that at Refuge too, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what you it's do. We were talking about in the prior podcast about. We he taught me. He taught me. Then yeah. we learn together. Then yeah. you run programs. I run uh-huh. programs. That's built into your philosophy. Yeah. What you were trying to talk to that Tom guy about. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. How come it's not built into more businesses to like, teach pass people? It on because people see that as competition. Mm-hmm. I think, or or they, they want to own you as you go out in the world, or you know, exploit you, or whatever. They think rather, you, that you owe them rather than just letting people go flourish. Yeah. And that's you know, it's kind of capitalism, I guess. Sad. But I, I, I think, you got I think you, when when you, you apply you. that kind of bullshit to clinical situations, everybody is ill-served. Yes, because yes, this is absolutely. a human. This is a calling. You have to be fully engaged and you know and free and autonomous in what you're doing because people are at stake. And if I, if you're working for me or something or there's any resentment or whatever or money, yeah, you're not going to be. Well, it's a fine, it's, it's a lot of balancing. And, and so what I notice with young adults is that they have very poor insight and poor judgment. And what do they want? What motivates them? What do they want? I can't figure it out yet. Um, This is what they want. They don't want to be sick anymore. They want a better life, but they don't want to do anything to get it. Okay, well, that's lack of motivation. Right? Yeah. Or they but, can't do anything but to get is it. Maybe it... they want to, but they can't because their brains are not fully formed, number one. Number two, they have been using some kind of substance for, you know, five, six, seven, yep. eight years. And then they have been basically yeah. sent to us. You With know, no life experience also, right? No life experience and no real ability to function in a societal way. And they dumped them right in the middle of West Los Angeles. And then, <laughs> and, or Malibu. Or, or Malibu. Malibu. <laughs> yeah, or Malibu. But the, the, the phenomenal thing about these kids is that they're very, you know, they're very resilient too. Mm-hmm. Because obviously they're young. Their cells are just dividing and they're just having a, you know, they're having a great experience in life, but they're destroying themselves. So we, we really have to work from a perspective of pre-contemplative, which in the stages of change, you know, that pre-contemplative doesn't really work out long term. No. You know, this is a very short term. And, and getting people from pre-contemplative to contemplative is not that easy. Well, do they even have impossible. the fundamentals? Yeah. The, my question is, do they even have the fundamental fundamentals? to cross, walk across that bridge. I'll give you an example. I started noticing about a year ago, when I say I don't give a fuck about you to them, mm-hmm. they perk up. Mm-hmm. It's as if no one's ever said that to them. How about that, Drew? Well, That's I'm interesting. sure no one really has. That's interesting. <laughs> well, it's your new treatment well, isn't style. That? <laughs> it's your new treatment uh, intervention. Well, no, my, my, I pause, and then I say, you should care about your life, not me, not your mom. You should. It's your life. Mm-hmm. And it's as if a light bulb's gone on in a lot of their heads. And they're like, you're right. Like, no one's ever talked to me like that. That's interesting. Right? That what is that? Shelly? What is oh, that? Oh, I thing? can't do that. Why? <laughs> yeah, she's... I'm a clinical director. I don't know how Bob gets away with it. I mean, I got to say, I have no idea how you get through when you say things like that. I would have the, I, I mean, I can't even He follows tell it you. on. He, follow, they, they, he follows it. They would it. literally probably run me out of the building. The MFTs, the LCSWs. I'm only there once a week. They, they, would, they would run and, me out of the building. You, you were complaining about the other clinicians. Is it, other than them believing the patients, what else are they uh, 
well, there's this dynamic that's begun that everything is about a secondary underlying issue. Oh, boy. And so the underlying issues, um, uh, we go boy. in with well, the underlying issues. That's always been We go in with the underlying issues without treating the main component. Which is the addiction. we have to treat the as, as we were saying with uh, Steve the other day. Stephen was like, "Look, I couldn't do anything. What, what good does it do to work on issues?" Psychodynamics doesn't yeah. work on yeah. addiction. Psychotherapy doesn't. Well, later, work on addiction. later it helps people. Of course, yeah, but not absolutely. Uh, but but we can't go in and start digging through, you know, uh, their their past when they don't have any coping skills to even brush their teeth in the morning. Right. You know, they're not ready for therapy right. they're ready for cognitive behavioral structure here's an interesting changes. thing they i noticed that because i have a sober living of some of them too you have to remind them to take a shower right so the 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 mft world the psych world will see that as a sign and symptom of some deeper depression uh, no autism you know spectrum yeah. whatever i just think no one's ever told them like fucking take a shower you know what I possibly, mean? Possibly, possibly, but you know, it's have you such noticed a bathing fine... being an issue with some of the boys? Oh, that's there's I, a, there's I, a whole there's noticed. a whole hipster ethos. You What's that? I, I what what hipster ethos is that? You only bathe once a week, and you smell week. all week long. I don't know what they do, but <laughs> I know they're not bathing normally. <laughs> well, so anyways, that the man tells them to do that. So I think what they do well there is get them up and going, and it's long term, and that. How do you retain them? Well, I wish it was long term, yeah. but um, well, the one you know, Paul's don't pick, get me the started. The ones Paul picks don't are long term. Sure, but but don't get me started on you know Blue Shield of California right oh, now. Yeah. Don't get me started. They don't yeah. pay. I know that. They never did. <laughs> Unbelievable. They send you an eighty dollar check when they owe you fourteen thousand dollars, Drew. It is when they they so they would routinely just go no no yeah no yeah. no we're sorry. Yeah, yeah, we authorized no that. that, that so, we authorized that. Yeah. So I understand, we, we better, understand yeah. that before you got in, when you were mm-hmm. being a mom, stay-at-home mom, yes. we were dealing with this. And what I noticed was, they, and they're doing it right now, when they were doing it in 2004, 2005, 2006, it was to get rid of inpatient treatment. They're doing it right now to get, get rid, rid of, of residential outpatient. treatment. They've already Squeeze. gotten rid of residential. Squeezing it. Yeah, squeezing yeah. it. It's yeah. PHP, yeah. detox and PHP. Yeah. And residential and IOP. They're not paying for residential, though. Right. No, I'm you, saying you pay for that yourself. You're you're getting you're getting. We have to give residential services at the IOP. Oh, level higher of levels care. of services for the lower level of, of you, you weren't around compensation. In the, when the days when Bob and I were dealing with this, we, we, we were, were getting five eighty a day for a hospital. But, but not only that, we were giving. Oh we were gosh. having to give hospital services for yeah even more yeah. services. Yeah. Yeah, for, well, for the residential. That's what, that's or what the, she's saying going on now. They're giving routinely. residential level of care yeah. and getting IOP. This is the game. It's been yeah. going on for years. But so I thought they were trying to get rid of residential treatment. They they have gotten rid of residential, and now we have people who have two or three days of sobriety. They really post acute withdrawal symptoms all yeah. over the place. In sober and living, and they're in sober living, <laughs> and they have you know a car or they have a you know a, a, a credit card. They can't. Like, we're setting them up to fail at that level of care. I have a detox. I can't even get detox. I have to get PHP, partial hospitalization. For detox. For detox. <laughs> and so it's, you know, it's a whole issue of... So of maybe just, it's not the kids. Maybe it's just, just not enough ratings. care. It's, it, it, you know what I mean? Definitely not enough I, care. I've always felt there's not enough not care, enough but care. I, I sort of gave up that battle. But now now the kids have bought into it. Now they don't even want to stay in detox. Now well, they look at detox as a three-day... You're, you're day. feeling all my misery as a program director. It's Because that's all the stuff Aww. I dealt with all the time. Well, I've and, actually, I feel good about that. Yeah, 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 yeah you I should. feel good about you're, that. You're, you're, you're stepping up somewhere. the ladder. Yeah, I've arrived you've, somewhere. You've gone up 10 ladders. La- ten lungs ten, on the ladder. I, I and really the, have. What's ironic to me, though, is as we're squeezing out all these other sort of lower levels of care, the same care has emerged in these residential programs that cost a fortune. And mm-hmm. so the, how is that, that you can't get any coverage for modest care, and yet people are still piling into these pieces really, of crap really, that are yeah, super really expensive? expensive? It's very weird. I, 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 I think nonprofit 
is the I'm way to go. I'm thinking nonprofit at this point. Like Claire, but it's Claire, hard, Claire Foundation. But Claire's the gone for profit too. There's, yeah. there's everybody's. You know, we're in a flux as an industry. We're in a, in a in a changing time right now. And and what was correct is, I think it was Stephen said, nobody's got a worse reputation than the recovery industry yeah. because. You know, children are going to rehabs, what the parents or loved ones of the kid thinks in high quality care and whatever, and they're dying. So then that reflects on the quality of care. I remember when Drew and I, when we were walking up to the main uh, hospital and we were going to get more budget cuts, and you just said, if we just had higher success rates, we wouldn't be able to just have to... Remember? No, tell because me what I said. We were, you know, we were going up for a big yeah. meeting where yeah, we were going to be... A nurse time. was going to be cut. The, yeah. the, we weren't going to have the med nurse or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. And you, you just turned to me and you said, if we just had higher success rates, we'd have a leg to stand on to argue with Jim. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. Because everyone was relapsing and the and the whole thing was kind of coming unglued at that point. Huh. Right? When when we were low census, like seven or eight people at inpatient treatment. Oh, I And they kept bu- cutting budgets. Well, yeah, we had low census. And we were having, we have low census and low success rate no. and the insurance didn't want to readmit them when they're the ones that kicked them out and wouldn't let them stay with us. Right. That was that, the, You know what I mean? I do remember that. Yeah. And that's what you're dealing with right now. (laughs) And see, we've we've gotten into the podcast industry, so we're not in that industry anymore. You guys are a tiny bit smarter than me. (laughs) Well, someday you're going to have your own podcast, Shelly. someday after I completely, I have no mind left because I've lost it. I'm going to do podcasts about how uh, the, you know, I'm going to be one of those raving lunatics like Bob. <laughs> Are we on Facebook Live? Is that what's happening? <laughs> what My wife is over there with a camera. Taping a camera. Do we need to take a break? They oh. do. How are we doing here? All right, we'll take a little break and be right back. Well, this week's This Life is brought to you courtesy of a new friend, Lucinia Health, and they are addressing the rising cost of prescription drugs. It's something that gets to me, not only as a physician, but also as worried about my patients, my family, myself. Even with decent insurance, price medications become a concern. Now, here's a way you can get help. Go to your cell phone right now and text this number, 22822. Then type in this message. You're in the message space where you normally type in your text message. Just type in the word Drew, my name, Deary W, and send it. 22822, send to it right now. You'll be happy you did. You'll immediately get an introduction from RefillWise with a prescription saving card that comes right on your phone almost immediately. It happens. I've got one. I did it, and it happened with a blink. Right now, it's free. There's no sign-up process or wait time. You just type that number in, 22822, type the code DREW in, send it, and you'll immediately receive that RefillWise prescription saving card. And you just show it to your pharmacist when you go to get your medication refill, and you can see how much you save. Whether you have insurance or not, you show it to them, and they'll give you the insurance, if that's what uh, is the least cost, or the savings from the Lucinia card. Refill-wise, it works with major pharmaceutical companies to establish discounts on the cash price of over 6,000 commonly prescribed medication. More than 1 million people are using the card. The average saving is 40%, some up to 80%. So if you have medication that's covered by insurance, check with Refill-wise pricing at your pharmacy. Even if you have insurance, the refill wise discount might actually be better so always pay to check it out i'm also very excited to say that for every new user that's right when you go text my name through that 22822 refill wise will immediately donate one dollar to the prostate cancer foundation this is a charity i'm involved with check them out at pcf.org they fund creative research for cancer particularly prostate cancer but all kinds of cancers get benefit from the unbelievably creative research they're funding. To learn more about RefillWise and to see if your medication could be covered, visit RefillWise, W-I-S-E, RefillWise.com. But to start saving right now, just text Drew, D-R-W, to the number 22822. Message and data rates may apply. And we are back. We are uh, back. Again. Is the National Assessment Foundation still a sponsor? Please uh, mention them anyway. Oh, yeah. I think they're great. Are they? Well, it doesn't yeah. matter. Man, talk about it. it. Okay, about National it. Assessment Foundation is the thing that I've become associated with, tries to get people treatment whether they have good insurance or yeah, not. Yeah, this is something worth getting behind, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 68 people, indigents, got yeah. treatment from the first quarter of 2017. 68 homeless people. Yeah. You know, and uh, and and also people with good insurance. 
Okay. You know, I'm not going to. Well, we can't. I'm, yeah, we I can't. can't just go I got to pay for my children's college. Oh, somebody's <laughs> got to pay for something. <laughs> you know what so, I mean? Yeah. But uh, you know, if you want to, if you have a loved one or or you need help, call eight 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 four nine four nine one eight six, and I think you can find it on our websites. So National Assessment Foundation. Yeah. So you know, as we've all sort of navigated through our careers here, what, what are you thinking about? Where we're at and what's happening and what needs to be done, other other than our lack of resources, which we okay. which is chronic. One of the things that, of course, we were approaching is the medical uh, oh. medicine management treatment, oh. which now insurance companies and I'm not joking, so just hang on to your hat. Yeah, they are not allowing us to treat them without. An anti-craving medicine. Anti-craving. Anti-craving. They're not going to let us treat them without Does it have to be Suboxone or can you use Vivitrol? Does it have to be Suboxone? It could be. Could be Vivitrol. That's fine. Now Trexone. Okay. Is it though? Listen. Is it? No harm, no foul. I don't know though because I've noticed that there's this sensitivity happening when these guys are on naltrexone. Sensitivity. Do you? They're defensive. They're no. Their sensitivity to when they come off of it, they have really massive cravings. It's like a rebound craving. Oh, that's just BS. They're just doing that themselves. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Is it BS? Well, it's either. I don't know. I've not seen that data. That makes some sense to me. I wonder if it's just what would have been there if you Possibly. weren't on the naltrexone. But but it, but I trust your clinical instinct. It's that just it's something my excessive. instinct yeah. about it is that when people go stay on, on the anti craving because they won't pay for it. It's kind of expensive. Yeah. Well, they're they're denying Vivitrol at almost all level uh, so what insurance. They, so well, we're having to just. Well, you what know. do they want them to be on? Oral naltrexone. Oh. Jeez, that's old. That's old Every school. Day, that's we used to generic. do that twenty years ago. Yeah. They put me on that's it. Yeah. Generic, right? Yes. Yeah, but yes. it's it's it never showed that much utility orally. Exactly. Why but, not? Right, I think. Well, then let I them think. Do it. Okay. So the implants now. The, the yeah. The implants. I'm big on. The I implants. like those. Yeah. So now there's a study at UCLA that they're doing suboxone implants. Yeah. And, but they have naltrexone implants too. And they have naltrexone implants. Kaiser pays for naltrexone implants. Okay. Kaiser. Good. Good. I, I could sign off on that, no problem. I, okay, I've so seen it work. Yeah, I know. I'm not saying I've right. seen it work. No, I've seen it. Renee yes. did it. No, I know. I mean, I think it's an I think it's an incredible advance mm-hmm. in in our our industry. In 100%. fact, there was one study that showed naltrexone and sertraline as a particularly good combination. Maybe that, you could explain wow. to some of yeah. the parents at home, Drew. I like this. The difference between naltrexone. Yeah. And Suboxone, because a lot of parents Here's think it's the, the, the same thing. Yeah, it's not the same thing. Yeah. One has essentially Oxycontin in it, <laughs> and the other does not. It's very simple. So, yeah, and that parents are getting confused by that, and I think doctors are purposely misleading Absolutely. Parents. They purposely mislead the client. Uh, do, what do you think what of that? They, what do they maybe they, they tell they're on oh it's Naltrexone or they yeah, maybe not, they, do. they don't I, bring up the fact that it's an opioid. I don't think they really understand it. Oh okay. my I'm god, then you. they shouldn't prescribe it. I don't How? think I, I don't if think they I can really, understand it. They get that it's an opioid partial it. agonist, but they don't th- I'm telling you the way it's being sold. You, Bob wants to do this whole thing about evil drug companies. I'm telling okay. you the Suboxone manufacturer is that's it. That's well, the better, evil drug you company. Better, you, I know, right? Yes. In I've, collusion I've with doctors. They've gotten into the government, they've gotten into the insurance minds, they've gotten into the physicians and the academics and everybody is signed yes, off on it. Yes, it's very very confusing now because now the doctors that used to be only now trucks only Vivitrol, which were the non non narcotic. Now they're starting to push us to do Suboxone implants and Suboxone maintenance. And I'm looking at these guys, and I'm sorry, guys. And I know that I'm going to get a lot of negative feedback from this, but these guys are high. They might not feel high because they have low euphoria, but they're high. The patients. Oh, yeah. The the patients are are high. high. They're high and they can't do the work and they don't flourish ever. They're chronically ill now. But here's the problem. The reality is that the data, if you go a couple of years if out, they're going to die if they're not on it. Right. They look. It looks really good. It for, does look really good. But, but when you get them off it, no it one, looks no terrible. one studies that. No one's doing it. No right? one even gets yeah. the data. Yeah. And you and I get the patients. Yeah, but let's 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 be play devil's advocate. That's if you your can job. get if you can get somebody who's twenty two years old who could die at any second because yep. they're so stupid from and careless with their drug use, yep. and you put them on Suboxone and kept them on that till they were twenty eight. Yep. 
maybe when you when you got them off at 28 they might have way better insight be more, yep. less That's dangerous true. and, and people would argue that you could do some cbt in the meantime and you could sort of you know get them back some life, life skills, skills. Nida's, Nida's life video skills. is they're yes. going to work cooking hamburgers at yeah, some yeah. mcdonald's right. like that's never going to happen yeah i mean the standards did, did you yeah. remember the hbo special no. was, the best example they could find of a box on success was this kid who worked at a hamburger joint yeah. <laughs> but they don't have very high hopes for opioid addicts they well, just that's, don't that's the point the idea is that we are dangerous people because people will die if we try to do an abstinence program and that the opioid addiction is just the people that are opioid addicts are just have chronic terminal illness that's that, just how it is that's just hey, they're not going to do personal... better than what we can do this is the best we can expect to do side note side and, note. and they're not yeah. way off right no, they're, they're not, not way off they're, they're, it's just it's just not it's the the excessive application of the same treatment over and over again is what I'm taking issue with. And the fact that they have no experience with abstinence now. They don't even know how to do it. No. And it isn't expensive. I don't mean the patient. I mean the clinician. Just a side note. Absolutely. To to educate the prescribers about the deadly combination of benzos and suboxone. Uh, That's coming out. Finally starting to get out. Okay. Finally. But not in a – you're still going to see tons of it, but it's starting – People are now going, oh, look at this. The benzo prescribing epidemic has mirrored precisely the opioid epidemic. And then I see in the American Cybersecurity Journals, oh, my God, funny thing. Opioid addicts have sleep disturbances, and they seem to be giving them sleeping medication like clonopin and, and uh, you know, all these long-acting hypnotics, the Z medicines. Of course. And, and it's insanity. It's, it's, it's insanity. insanity. They're all going to die. They're all going to die. Because they have a sleep disturbance for a drug they shouldn't be on in the first place. Of course. That so. one of the main symptoms of that of drug use is sleep. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me yeah. ask you one other thing. I watch Teen Moms a lot nowadays. Why? I didn't even know you were on that show so much. What? Why no. did you? I'm doing, I'm doing, a a, I'm doing an interview with Butch. You should, maybe you should be here. Oh, okay. Doing an interview with Butch in like, okay. two, in like 20 minutes. Anyways. Because he's back in prison. He relapsed. Okay. Well, that's so, what I wanted to say. Seems like a lot of the teen moms and their boyfriends and their new boyfriends and stuff. Pot. Seems like they're on something. Pot. Pot. Well, they're on antidepressants and pot. Well, it's a couple of them are really suboxone. I, I suspect um, it's suboxone. Maybe I in don't there, know okay, why. I, we can talk about who and the, the, you know a lot of the, a lot of their treatment. Does There's not a go on sedated a... yet non-euphoric mm-hmm. feel about the whole the whole thing, s- the yeah. whole cast. <laughs> well, which which season are you talking about? Well, we just we don't want <laughs> oh, to tolerate know which one. The one... feelings. We don't want to tolerate feelings. Uh, in, ordinary in, in, misery is no, something that Americans want nothing it. to do with. Can't anymore. tolerate it. Bad feeling? Nope. Get rid of ordinary it. miseries. Uh, but ordinary misery is something that uh, we all experience. How's your ordinary misery in your life? It's up and down, you know. <laughs> it's up and down, just just like it's supposed to be. You know, I have a teenager because yeah. she's you know she's sixteen and she's a teenager. What color is her hair right now? Uh, it's natural. Oh, natural, is it yes. really? Well, that's what happens when you let your 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 twelve and eleven year old have purple hair and blue hair and green hair. By the time they're sixteen, they don't want it anymore. <laughs> so that's I you that's know a, that's a Shelly parenting tip was, for all you moms. Yeah, don't at home. fight it. Don't fight don't it. Just fight let, it. Them, let them let yeah. them do it. Let them wear whatever they want. Let them do whatever Every they want. Picture, By the, they they when, uh, they grow out of it. When it's she hilarious. was working at PRC, there was all these different pictures, and there's a purple green, and there's a different color. Yeah, hair. I remember blue and green. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now she just has normal. Normal hair. Oh my yeah, god! She, I mean, she's you know there she's you sixteen. Go. It's very interesting when your children like begin to just separate from you, you know, and just like go off from you. It's just odd. Yeah. It's just an it's odd feeling. Though. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a little it, bit of loss, kind of. But it's little, but it's necessary. Yeah, slash you got to do it. Slash but also it, inspiring. And but like I nice. have to, you know, I have to let her do that. But it's just a, uh, you know, it's something like oh, you start to really miss that little kid. Like when yeah. I look at her, I'm oh, like, yeah. where did the little yeah. that little enchanted thing happen you, you get like, over that she starts <laughs> no you don't you can just no? keep doing it oh uh, yeah I just have more <laughs> babies, babies right yeah but um, okay. you and your mom had an interesting relationship you never really talked about that. Yeah, we did. We had an Last interesting. Time? We had no. a horrible, horrible time when I was a teenager. But we realized what went wrong. Religion. Well, well, for me, yeah, that went terribly wrong. But, <laughs> but really, the the issue was is that my she mom had really high expectations of teens, and I realized how you cannot have these gigantic expectations of teens because they just aren't there. 
like my daughter's brain has gone to sleep, you know? She doesn't remember to, you know, clean her room. Like my mom was just personalizing all of my like, you know, mis- misadventures. It wasn't really personal towards her, but she personalized it all. So she got really angry when my brain was asleep, which I understand. But at the same time, it's just what happens to the teenage, you know, the teenage and, and, syndrome. And she actually started abusing you a little bit, right? Uh, that was yeah. Well, I left at seventeen, so yeah. we had to yeah, well, we had to separate. Something must have happened right then because kids don't yes. leave unless something's happening. Well, yes, there was there was some significant significant uh, problems I it was between religion, us. Though, yeah, somehow. my mom was a born again Christian, yeah, of course. Yeah, she didn't yeah. really appreciate. I mean, I got kicked out of church because I was got hung over, out of and I I was throwing up in the <laughs> church bathroom, and I had gone to an ex concert, and I was a little hung over, and then I throw up all over the car, and then my mom gets upset, obviously. But I remember when you were getting when you were sober and dealing with everything. You were like you were you start teasing her about how she hit you and yes. how you used to. You we used were to, yeah, we started laughing about it. But then you know and, we had you, this great you would, conversation. Used to play the, it, it let, but that, I thought that was such an interesting thing because it it fl- flipped being a victim on its ear. Yes, that was one thing I had to take care of in my recovery. Well, tell me not about being that. a victim. Well, tell me about that. Um, not me going up against. Um, my childhood, which had a lot of meandering, covert abuse and overt, obviously, abuse, um, I had to turn that around in such a way that I was able to first accept it, second, heal from it, third, then say it's okay and forgive that. And the forgiveness is the hardest that takes part. A while. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm still thinking about. Yeah, that I'm one. still thinking about the forgiveness because because you have to you have to see that's that person's liability doing the best they can. It wasn't you; it was that person. But I just came to the forgiveness. It just came. But you used humor too, which I thought was interesting. Well, you know, you have your defense mechanisms. No, no, I think it was defense. I thought thought it was effective. That's why it was effective. It was effective. Yeah, but you know, we still have conversations. You know, we just had one where you know she apologized again. Like she takes ownership for this. Maybe that's what helps you with forgiveness because I I don't. I I I got no apologies. Right, but this this is crucial because. I'm able to say it's okay, and she's able to say she's sorry, and that Would we you be were able to doing the best we could. How important is that? Would no, you be able to accept it? Would you be able to accept the apology? Yes. I, you would. I, apology I wouldn't even be like, I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, really? <laughs> I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't even know what. Yeah, that, I mean, we just, because it's so contrary to the way things are that it'd be like, what, been, what does that mean? I w- because I made the amends to Nancy. You met Nancy. I'm, yes. I made the amends to her. I took care of her. I did a lot of things, and I was figuring one day a Bobby I'm sorry was coming mm-hmm. and different times throughout like the 10 year period we would she would want to sit down or she had to t- speak to me when she had got cancer she came oh, out here so. to stay with me and she always wants to sit down and be very serious and have a really important conversation I always thought this is it this is it here it comes and it was always about something about else. her about her yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well and then and this is where i think that my mom's you know religious experiences have paid off for her is that over the years she has softened over the years she has seen and grown compassion and and experience and, and to be fair it's, it's a mutual you know, thing love. you have too and so yes. it's allowed her to yes. grow and stuff also so. she's taking care of my very very sick grandmother mm. which has also challenged her um, to with compassion and and empathy and i think that all of those things, those challenges, you know, she's really gotten a bit more um, realistic about, you know, what her limitations have been in her life and how they've manifested in her behavior. I think that she can see these things now. And so it's, it's, I've done a lot of modeling with my family of having a lot of boundaries and, but not having walls, you know, the difference between the boundary and the wall. I've been very loving, but I also don't take anybody's shit. Also, there, you also have, a fully alive teenage daughter and and she was a teenager long before the age 13 you know probably around 11 or 12 right mm-hmm. so your mom can see now okay now Shelly knows what I'm talking about right, that's true that's <laughs> right. true that's another vindicating it's another feature. kind of healing yeah. I think yeah. it's healing I agree with you vindicating I think but but let's let's wrap up by talking about where where's this world going 
It was the three These of us. These kids need to you, learn how to take wait, showers and get the a job. The three of us have been through. <laughs> three of us have been through many, many battles and wars together. We've like been in the trenches together. I think treatment's going to change very for, dramatically. For, but I mean, I want to talk more globally. Like, where are we as a country, as a people, as a what is going on? What do we think is at at issue here? Because we get our own little window into all this, right? Because mm-hmm. the work we do and the way we're trained and what we're thinking about things. Well, the unique perspective is we get to meet... I have to read Bob on Facebook, and I think the fucking world's coming to an end. But (laughs) I don't really believe that. He doesn't get... I don't believe half the shit I post. It's just to stir up trouble. You know me. I know that, yeah. yeah. That's why I don't spend much time with you. (laughs) It's the way the internet works. I'm kind of off Facebook right this second because I'm a little frightened. Well, I wanted you to talk to some of our close old buddies. They they see it as the end of the world. Well, I don't think it's the end of the world. I don't either. It's not the end of the world. So we don't think it's the catastrophe. We just think it's kind of a weird, scary time. I think the stewards of young people thought need to take responsibility for being the stewards. I think okay. That, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Who would that be? I think some some people in the community seem rather responsible. This kid chants the rapper. He seems very level-headed and not reactionary. So, so they need right? leaders that leaders are sensible. Leaders that are attuned to the responsibility that it is to lead. Mm. Because there's a lot of fame and branding of just like, oh, it's not my responsibility. And what, and what would their messages be? What would a leader look like? What would they be telling? Well, I think with the, the way people. millennials are going, it's a very compassionate um, generation that doesn't see race or but religion. But I thought I thought the message should be: no one gives a shit. You need you need to give a shit yeah, about you about your life that and about and about your peers and about your community. They do and that. I think they Trump, do that. No, I think Trump really fucking activated it in all of them. No, and I'm, they were, I'm here to tell you they were already that way. They were. Your son, I'm sure, was that way. Yeah, but they, they have no power to do anything right. about it. That's right. Right? That's now right. I think they're going to figure out how to get power to do something. They seem to be flailing. I, I don't see where they're actually doing They're certainly Here's how they would get. They would have to get a law degree, run for office, get, you know, get in there and do it. Some are doing that. I know, but that's, that's the, the governor. Uh, that's the, not what they're doing. They're flailing and saying, I'm not happy, I'm not happy. And that's the wrong. Am I, Richelli, am I wrong? Everybody has a lot of opinions, but the, <laughs> yeah. the hard work yeah. is to make change. Yes, and the that, hard work to make change personally, the hard work to make change globally. It's it's the same difficult change that we have to make. We have to look at ourselves. That the, the has and, to make. And, same, and we have to yeah. look at ourselves, and then we have to make changes, and we all have to do it. And that's what's the hardest thing to do is to have insight and have judgment and gain the ability to understand what is good for more than just me mm. what is best for so the is that whole. why you've left facebook was because you're tired of trying to convince our peers of that of those ideas because i am too that's why i say I, I it bo- drags me down it drags me down i don't need to be dragged down in my life i need i work with very sick people and i have to re- i have to stay very positive in my personal life because if i don't do that then it's just a one it's just a big cycle of yeah. Bad news and negativity and bad news and then I watch the news and then it's like this shooting, that shooting. And my brain just can't catch up and get recentered. If I'm constantly looking at a Facebook, I'm constantly looking at this person's problems with this and that. You know, I, I don't I have to so, stay so positive. It's, it's it's Voltaire. Cultivate your garden. I have to it, cultivate it's necessary my garden. to cultivate your own garden. And Stay, then just you know, one person at a time. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Take care of your. It starts community. with that right. self care, I think, and and I think that I can remain compassionate and empathetic if I take care of myself. Mm-hmm. But if I get out into all of that opinion and public controversy, I I, I just lose the ability to feel compassionate. It makes me very. Do you think you when know, we were kids angry. that the leaders that we looked up to, John Nixon being great examples? Mm-hmm were level-headed and logical and taught us the truth because I do believe they did. Who? I do. John Nexine, very politically active, but not radicals. They taught you, teach, young people learn from culture and from, uh, you know, the icons in, in a culture. And right now, 
There are none. It's all just about brand and money and fame. Yeah. Well, it's a lot of that. money. I'm it's glad to see that. a lot the, about the money. The word is starting to make them. Uh, That's come what back I'm th- hoping too. is going to come back. Yeah. People like Joe Strummer, like John and Exine, to be people you can like. Okay, they're going to tell me about ideas, yeah. and they're not going to tell it in some radical, superimposed. People have to go to the bathroom in this space type I, I ideas, do, I do but believe- more. I do like, believe there are ways. I think it was a very changing culture. It was a very changing time. I think that people coming out of the seventies into you know late seventies, early eighties, I think that they were really kind of recovering from you know a lot of stuff politically at that same time yep, as well. That's right. I mean, there was that huge. I mean, I feel it. I feel like the, in the air. I feel like it's very sixties. I learned about caring um, about people from a band called The Clash. Yeah. But but listen, Shelley. It's possible you said you should be taking care of others, but it's possible to. Find things that win for everybody. It is. Find find solutions that win for you and people you care about and, you know, empathy for others. And, you know, in other words, it doesn't have to be you or the others. No. no. That's the mistake people are making. It's like, if I make a choice that is good for me, it doesn't have to be bad for somebody else. Yeah, that's a little short on the, you know, that's, that's, um, that's, you're getting there if you can start to make choices, good choices for yourself. The, the secondary gain there is that I can make choices that are good for the, the whole. Yeah, they're called win-win. Everybody wins. Yes, everybody wins. It's possible. But it's hard. I don't get to gratify. Oh, yeah, well, that's Okay, I don't get to gratify right now. Because ordinary misery is, is good. Yeah, and, <laughs> and it's Here's teaching. a book I'm reading called The Fourth Turning. It's about it's called American Prophecy. This guy wrote this book in 1998 and predicted what's happening right now, and I'm getting into what's coming next. So I'll, let you, I'll report what I know. Oh, well, that would yeah. be good. Like what that, it, where is he headed? Like a crystal ball. It, it, it sounds like there's going around 2025 is going to be some sort of something. All right, why. well, if people still want treatment... <laughs> they, can go, they can go to Bel Air. <laughs> if they still want treatment... But he's very optimistic. He's still very optimistic. Said. Very, very optimistic. Very. But still saying there's going to be like an upheaval of some type. So. All right, so listen, uh, Shelley, yes. where shall people go to see you or visit you? Or? Well, they can call us at 1-800-665-GROW. Grow six six five grow yes and and we can uh, we can do a national assessment referring referring to them yeah yeah so national assessment foundation Paul her partner is working with me in another okay so all right so so we're working we're networking we're working all around you know we're we're still trying to uh, promote people's health and well being and whether they want it or not (laughs) do you feel good about it. I feel tired about it well, sometimes, of course, of course. but I do feel good about it. You know what's amazing? I've the been one there. Thing. Let me talk about it because she's not going to tell it accurately. I've never what? seen. I've so never rude. seen what they can do with young people. They can get them to stand single file and wait for their van. So and they're doing a good job. They're, they're doing, doing an excellent job. job. Okay, good. So that so you're, you're structurally, you're, yeah. Structurally, no, no. Listen, <laughs> that's a miracle. You, you That's remember, a Shelley. fucking miracle, <laughs> Shelly. We get to see what else is going on out there. You know what I'm saying? And compared yeah, I'm a little else, isolated. Yeah, compared to what else is going on, congratulations. Yeah. You're doing a good job. It's tough work. <laughs> Keep doing it, Bob. Thank you. Know, you. I'll see you all next Thank time. Thank you. Bye. Love you guys. Thanks. I don't want to know what they say If I didn't walk on eggshells Would you know my name? I was your freedom I could have set you free Jealousy has an ugly face Kiss me just in case
Don't think 